Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Kia ora and welcome to Elemental from RNZ. I'm Alan Blackman from the Auckland University of Technology. And I'm Alison Balance. And this is episode 71. And a friend of mine recently told me that her first name appears twice on the periodic table. What? Her name's Actinium? Really? It's an unusual name. <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> not that one. Okay. So perhaps because this episode is about Ruthenium, I'm guessing her name might in fact be Ruth. That's right. <laughs> which also appears in the element Rutherfordium. But I'm sorry to say that Ruthenium is not actually named after someone called Ruth. It is from the Latin Ruthenia, the name for Rasha. Never mind. At least Ruth can spell her name with chemical symbols, including R-U for ruthenium. Okay, so let's get into it. The vital statistics for this element, atomic number 44. Uh, that puts it in the uh, middle-ish of the transition metals. And it was discovered in 1844. That's a nice coincidence, 44 <laughs> and 1844. <laughs> Indeed. It's chemical claim to fame. Uh, amongst the chemists, I guess it's known for having the highest known formal oxidation state, and that is plus eight in the form of ruthenium tetroxide, RuO4. And it shares this particular trait with both osmium and xenon. And it also goes all the way down to minus two, and that makes it pretty much probably the element with the widest range of formal oxidation states. There's ones for the chemists there. Probably not an element that is too well known, I guess. It's a relatively rare transition metal, and the world reserves are in fact only around about 5,000 tonnes, which is not very much. And it's obtained as a byproduct of nickel refining, uh, mostly in Canada and South Africa. Of course, where did the Russian name come from? Well, it's also found in the Urals. How was it discovered? Like many of the metals in that part of the periodic table, the so-called precious metals, so it was originally found like palladium and rhodium through the dissolution of impure platinum in aqua regia. So... That sort of makes it a precious metal. It's far cheaper than platinum and its buddies because there are not really very many uses for ruthenium at the moment. And so it'll cost you around about 12000 New Zealand dollars per kilogram. Just remembering back to our previous episodes on platinum and palladium, <laughs> they were both very useful in catalytic converters in cars. Yep. What about ruthenium? Ruthenium's very useful as a catalyst, but not really directly in catalytic converters. What is found is that you can alloy it with both platinum and palladium, and that makes them both very much harder. And alloys of ruthenium are used in electrical contacts where you need resistance to wear. 
The same alloys, the same ruthenium alloys, are also used in jewellery. And <laughs> once again, we've mentioned this before, in flash fountain pen nibs. <laughs> These <laughs> things just keep recurring. <laughs> yes, I, I'd love to know who uses fountain pens still, but um, I'm sure somebody does. So what else? Ruthenium dioxide, RuO2, and that is used to coat the titanium anodes in electrochemical cells used for the industrial scale production of chlorine. So you obviously need something that's relatively resistant if you've got hot chlorine gas floating around the place. And ruthenium compounds are used in catalysts for the production of both ammonia and acetic acid. Is that it then? Uh... Yeah, well, that's sort of the most of the uses, I guess, outside the chemical laboratory. But um, you get inside the chemical laboratory. And in fact, ruthenium is very widely used in, shall we say, the more academic pursuits. And um, these may yet lead to wider usage. So the first example that I will mention, uh, if you think back to the molybdenum episode, where we had a particular enzyme called nitrogenase, which could convert uh, nitrogen to ammonia. People have been trying to mimic that in the laboratory for many, many years. And the first success that they had with this mimicry was a ruthenium complex could be made to bind to the nitrogen molecule. Uh, The nitrogen molecule notoriously unreactive. And so this was a very, very big deal way back in 1965. That was the first example of the nitrogen molecule binding to a metal. And very, very interestingly, there's a ruthenium compound that is used at the heart of a thing called the Gretzel cell. And this is a dye-sensitized solar cell, which uh, is definitely increasing our understanding of the conversion of light to electricity. It may turn out to be a low-cost alternative to silicon solar cells in the future, but the jury's still out on that. Certainly, Gretzel, the uh, inventor of this cell, is always mentioned as a potential Nobel laureate every year that the Nobel Chemistry Prizes come along. It's uh, quite a big deal, this thing. Um, And speaking of Nobel Prizes, Ruthenium also won Nobel Prizes for Ryoji Niori and um, Bob Grubbs, so the former in 2001, the latter in 2005, for their discoveries of ruthenium-containing molecules that catalyze specific organic reactions. And, Alison, if you'll let me digress for a minute or two. if you must. I know. This is a very nice story, actually. We normally think of Nobel laureates as being, I guess, you know, in chemistry terms, they are the chemistry gods, I suppose. They do the, the, the great work. And it's really, really nice to find that they're actually very human as well. So, in fact, in the year 2005, Bob Grubbs was actually in New Zealand when the Nobel Prize for Chemistry was announced. He was at Canterbury University then. And... The announcement was made on, I believe, a Thursday from memory. I had been in touch with him to get him to come and give a talk to us. So we'd exchanged emails and stuff like that. Then all of a sudden he got his uh, Nobel Prize and he rang me up or sent me an email or something. He said, look, I'm sorry, I've got to go back to Stanford because they need me back there for all the Nobel Prize publicity. But I promise I'll come back and give a talk. And I said, oh, yeah, OK, no, no, that's fine. Five years later, I get an email saying, hey, I'm going to be back in New Zealand again. I'll come give that talk. So, uh, yeah, that was very, very nice. Oh, what a very nice man to follow up on his promise. Oh, absolutely, yes. Excellent. Any random interesting facts you could lob in about ruthenium? Um, It's tough. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's, there's not a lot there, but um, ruthenium tetroxide, RuO4, it's kind of toxic in the same way that osmium tetroxide is toxic. 
if you're silly or unfortunate enough to smell this stuff, it smells like ozone. I'm sorry, Alison, that's the best I can do. <laughs> ah, that'll do. <laughs> there we have it, the sweet or not-so-sweet smell of chemistry. <laughs> you can find out more about the elements and their particular odours in some cases at rnz.co.nz chemistry. And hopefully you have already subscribed to us as a podcast on your favourite app. Now this is the end of the chemical elements whose names start with the letter R. And listeners, did you notice there were no elements starting with the letter Q? We went straight from the P's to the R's. <laughs> Just as earlier on, there were no J's. Indeed. And next time on Elemental, we are looking at Samarium. But until then, it's Tura from me, Alan Blackman. And me, Alison Balance. Kia ora mai. Come <laughs> on.